Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Athena will give you a great home loan, then help you get rid of it. Need training for residential, commercial or civil construction? Call Master Builders Victoria today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. We're two days away. Great to have your company wherever you're listening to Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria. Get expert legal support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. And we're here for Athena Home Loans. Pay down your home loan faster with Athena. If you're new to the program, it's midday madness time. Dial this number. You get on. You get to talk about whatever you'd like to talk about in the world of sport. The number is 1300 736 736. That's the open line. It's brought to us by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia. Where else? And we're here. I'm here this time every day to talk sport with you for Midday Madness and take your calls for a couple of hours. So that's what we're going to do straight off the top again today. Your calls, one 736 736 And we're doing it right throughout the footy season again. You can send through your texts on the 40 Winks Temper text, 0433-98-1116. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. But it's Talkback Radio, rather have a chat to you, so jump on that open line. But I will read a heap of your texts out. More than ever, I'll read out this year off the text machine. And we do have more time to read your texts out this year as well, which is great news. A couple of things that I want to get to. One strange thing, I've been reading ads during the ad breaks of this program and other programs, which you've probably heard. A strange thing happened last week when I read two different ads stating two different things. Uh, I read a live sport ad for the NRL saying, to enjoy the sport more, you've got to be there live. And then I read a Fox Sports ad saying sport and footy is better watched at home in high definition on your TV, which was a bit weird. I felt a little hypocritical, uh, given both probably can't be true, or can they? one three hundred seven three six seven three six, which is true. Is footy best watched home these days? Big screen TV, ultra 4K HD, like I've been spruiking on those ads. In your own lounge chair, no logistical nightmare, getting there, driving, parking, sitting next to some pickle you hate. Uh, music after goals, blaring, growl announcers, way too annoying. Or is live footy at the venue still the best and will always be the best way? I've got to say, I pay to go to a bit of live sports still. Yeah, I get free tickets a lot of the time, but I still pay to go to live events because being there at live events just is there's something extra about being in the middle of the atmosphere. Ticket sales for the opening round are up. Gather round in Adelaide as well. Ticket sales are booming. Are you a go-every-week family or are you still a go-every-week family? You've always been a go-every-week family or are you in our majority of games stay home kind of family? Watch at home with your friends. Watch at the pub with your friends. Give us a call. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is the open line number. If you've got a thought on that, on my hypocritical reading of two different ads saying two different things, heaps of other stuff to get to in the world of sport that we will get to a little bit later on. But we have... So many people on the line. I do want to get to you all. I love Midday Madness. Jeff in Mount Lakes, I know you're on the line. Macca in Doreen. Dave in Camberwell. We will get to you as well. Sam in Keylord Downs. I promise we'll get you all on in the next couple of hours. Dr. Peter Larkins to join us later on in the program. Uh, Jason McCartney as well 
from the Giants. So a couple of things popping up later. But Jeff in Manor Lakes, welcome to you. You got a thought on this? Welcome to you, Jeff. G'day, Dwayne. Um, to me, the experience at the game is second to none. It's better than on the telly. I, I, I just feel that you, you get the whole experience, you get the whole... You, you can see more at the game than what you can on the, on the TV. Yeah, I, I'm a very... When I watch it on the television, I, look, I do like watching it on TV... But I get very fidgety and nervous, and I prefer to um, be at the ground and be able to, you know, yell and scream and take out my frustration in a good way, not in a derogatory way. And, um, yeah, I I just think the ground's a lot better. Jeff, great to have your call. Hold the line. I've got a Brick Lane Brewing voucher coming your way. Heaps to give away again on the program today, by the way. A Brick Lane Brewing voucher, Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, perfect for all occasions, and the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly. Thanks for jumping on and kicking us off. To, to be honest, I do. it is tougher to go to the game. I mean, logistically, you have to jump a few hoops, get over a few hurdles, and the hurdles are getting bigger these days, traffic snails, that kind of stuff. But it outweighs itself when you consider the good of being there. So I agree with that. I still think being here is the better way to go. Daryl in Queensland might have a different perspective from up there. Welcome to you, Daryl. Yeah. Hey, Dwayne. Yeah, I've obviously been to both rugby league and AFL games, and there is no question, and I've got a lot of rugby league mates up here, I've taken them to AFL games. No question rugby league is for a TV game. You go live, you'll be stuck up one end for, uh, you know, 20 minutes or so. But AFL games are way better going live. Just the, the buzz of the crowd, different things happening off the ball. Um, even my rugby league mates agree that AFL is better live. Rugby league is definitely more of a TV game. It is a sort of a, should I call it a self-fulfilling prophecy, Macca? When you go, and so many other people go, then the atmosphere is enhanced because you've got a big crowd. If you, if you go and no one else has gone, if you go and there's only three or four or 5,000 there, then you kind of feel like, oh, it's not as good being here. So if more people go, more people are going to keep going. Is that a fair way of assessing it, Daryl? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, I, I, get, I get down to Melbourne a fair bit. I go to Anzac Day every year. I've been a Collingwood supporter. I remember going to a Carlton Collingwood game and I'll tell them my friends, I'll come on down, that sort of stuff. is always close to 80,000. This was the, the freezing cold night in about 2013 or whatever. There was only 40,000 there, and they still thought 40,000 was a lot of people. But the vibe was only half was only half the energy there at the MCG with 40,000. So absolutely, just even walking to the, the ground with all the different supporters, both sides, just an awesome vibe to be there live. Yeah, the walk to the ground is something that I think is underrated. I know sometimes it's a pain, but... In some ways, looking back on my childhood, walking to the games with my dad, where you'd park, you'd have to park 2K away. This is in the Sandful when they had big crowds. But you'd have to park, you know, 2K away and you'd walk. But there was something tribal about walking into the ground with your dad, with your family, with your other supporters, all with the scarves on. There is a beauty to that that's taken away if you, you know, like me, you get lucky sometimes and you get a car park underneath. I do enjoy a walk to the ground sometimes uh, still because it just enhances... The, the enjoyment of it. Great to have you call, Daryl. I, I think there is something about the aura of games that have big crowds as well. And it's not about the roar always, because Anzac Day, when there's silence for that minute, it is almost the most inspiring minute of live sport. And I know it's not sport, the minute silence itself. 
that at Life Sport that you can get at any event you go to. That 100,000 silence for Anzac Day is the most powerful minute at any sports venue I think I've been to in any country. Gareth or Garth in Woodville Park. Welcome to you, Garth. G'day, Dwayne. How are you? I'm good. I used to walk to Pecker Park as well. It uh, was a nice walk. I'm not too sure too many from Woodville Park would have enjoyed the walk to Alberton from there, though. Yeah, no, I just used to live just off Oval Avenue, so it wasn't too far a walk for me. <laughs> but um, I'm just going to contradict everything that other folks said. Like, I've yep. been to some big AFL games, and I've been to three rugby league grand finals, as well as State of Origin over here in Adelaide. And the buzz, it's not quite like an AFL game until someone's scoring a try. If they can get a try from... 40, 50, 60 metres out, and they pass along the back line, the whole crowd rises, and the crescendo gets up to about 110%, you know, rather than that, say AFL games are at 80%, yeah. Yeah. rugby league could be 50, 60, but then they score that long try, and you've got Munster in the corner and that, and it goes just goes crazy. So I reckon that's a better feeling, a higher high. Which is what happens at soccer games as well, Garth. You get this, this bubble of... 20, 30 minutes without a goal. But when the goal scored, it is so epic because the anticipation for it has been so long that it does become, you know, a, it, it takes the dial to 11 out of 10 as opposed to just taking it to 10 out of 10. Great to have you called, Garth, and I hope everything's well there in Woodville Park. Uh, David in Campbellwell. Hello, David. Hey, Dwayne. Um, I was going to talk about something else, which I'd love to get to in a second. In terms of going to the game versus on TV, I'm a go to the game every week guy with the family and the ritual and the anticipation is is equally as exciting as the game itself sometimes just particularly ahead of round one I'm a Collingwood fan so cannot wait for the walk across to the G on Friday and the build up for that um, one thing I've noticed the, um, just regarding the, the, the brand at the moment footy is played in such an excitement exciting manner like the way our four for others would have intended it to be played I reckon it's just great to watch but what I'm noticing at junior and local levels is that it's being emulated in the pre-season coaching that I'm seeing that kids from, you know, girls as well as boys are being told to switch the play, get some overlap handball, forward handballs, you know, look for the open side, all the sorts of stuff that you probably wouldn't have tried to teach kids because you just would have been focused on territory and get the ball in uh, down the line and, and take no risks. And now because of the game at the highest level being played in such an exciting manner, it's having a positive impact on local, junior uh, and, and other levels, which I think is being underrated and, and understated at the moment. Yeah, look, I've done a little bit of coaching. I went and coached Sebastopol and I went and coached uh, Colac for a little while, uh, not that successfully, and coached a bit of junior sport as well, Macca, over time. But there is something to be said for just under-coaching, for letting players have fun, enjoy the footy, not putting so many parameters around them that... It becomes annoying to play it because you have to stick to these rules. So I know it's about winning, but it's also about the love of it. And I can see that at junior level as well. I mean, there is a, there's something to be said for just letting the kids play with instinct as opposed to putting these parameters around them like you're putting the, the guards up on a bowling alley so they don't hit the gutter. Uh, let them hit the gutter occasionally. That's, that's the way that I was kind of encouraged when I started coaching kids to coach kids. And... I can see that that's returning a bit, the instinct returning to it. And I hope that is not just at a junior level, but as a senior level 
uh, coach as well out there thinking, okay, well, let's return some of the fun and the instinct. Great to have you call, Macca. Hold the line. We've got a, a Miss Jackson wine bar voucher. Visit the new Miss Jackson restaurant and bar in Doncaster. You've got that coming your way. Uh, you've got a voucher coming your way. Sorry, David in Campbell, that's coming your way. Uh, David, apologies to that. Macca in Doreen, uh, I'll get to your call next. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. the open line number. I'll read a heap of your texts out as well. Is it better live? Or better on TV, sounds like it's still better live. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Is it better live at the venue or is it better on TV? I've been reading ads saying both are true. Uh, We've got a Twitter poll up, by the way. Prefer to watch at the game or on TV? Over 100 votes so far. You can check it out on the Dwayne's World site or the SEN Twitter poll if you want to check it out. Uh, Live at the ground running at 62%, TV 38%. Heap of texts coming through, so let me run through a few. I know that we've got a heap of people on the line as well. Nola in Perth, Sam and Keelor Downs will come to you. Yes, Dwayne, uh, the prospect oval, nothing better than seeing Redden, Jarman, Robren, Antrobus, Grenville, Dietrich. They are all great. Yeah, it's the prospect oval that uh, I would walk to. Uh, not all the way from the Kilburn Hotel, but um, we would uh, we'd drop into the Kilburn on the way back uh, and uh, watch North Adelaide at Prospect Every week, regardless of whether they were up the top of the ladder or down the bottom. But in my day, it was more uh, Peter Cloak and Bowden Jaworski uh, and Barry Stringer and co. Uh, I believe both are great, both different. I went to the grand final last year for my bucket list, standing in a crowd of 100,000 people seeing the voice. Hair stood up on the back of my neck. Teresa from Lismore, thanks for your text. Teresa, another one here. Uh, Nola in Perth, I think it is Nola. Love, live is so much better. We don't have a choice and have to watch every second away game on a screen and it's no way as good great at grounds with the big screen too i presume that's you on the phone as well nola to make your point what can you it is thanks yeah actually i messaged you and then i said oh well i'll ring you up and speak to you good on you i mean like being a doctor's supporter you know i don't have a choice so every second game we have to watch on the screen and it's frustrating you don't know who's leading where the ball is really going and like with the big screens there now it's great and that walk that we instigated back in 2013, walking from Fed Square up to the MCG, is a moment that I will never, ever forget. That was just um, a, a great thing to do. And I know other clubs do it now, and it's so wonderful to walk as a group from Fred Square up to the MCG. And, yeah, yeah. live screens, live, live games yeah. is always better. Is there now a walk across the footbridge to... Um, Optus Stadium, is there like there is in Adelaide now, walking from the train station across the footbridge over the Torrance to the Adelaide Oval? Uh, no, no, not unless we had it, I think when the Richmond-Essendon game was here, one yeah. of the teams did it then, but the locals don't do that, in, you know, like, yeah, okay. no. It was just that MCG, that grand final walk, it was just amazing. And I think maybe if we had a a special game, although we didn't even do it last year, really, when we were at that final. But, um, yeah, I don't know how anybody can compare live to screens. And when you don't have a choice, it's really frustrating. We only get Great to see you. our team 11, you know, 11 games no, live a year. So, yeah, that's all. <laughs> great to have you call, Nola, and keep your text coming through. Always great to have you on. Joel in Bannockburn, welcome to you, Joel. How you going, Dwayne? Good. Um, just you got me going on Friday, mate, with your conversation about uh, just kicking the footy um, with your old man and how exciting that used to be. And now to hear this conversation about walking to the games, I was I was lucky enough to have an uncle play with the Blues in the nineties, 
Um, I'm 39, and I, I grew up walking to the Carlton matches with all the supporters, one-eyed, crazy supporters, um, and I, I miss that more than anything. But the walks to the G, it gets you going, and it really depends on the the atmosphere of the game and whether or not it's uh, whether or not it's a better match. But yeah, when we play the big clubs, there is no better feeling than walking in against Collingwood and Essendon and Geelong and Hawthorne and those big matches. But I tell you what, I truly do miss the local games, being able to go into those matches at Princess Park more than anything. Yeah, they were fun. There is still a little bit of uh, local opportunity to, to be had, but not anywhere near enough, um, enough, unfortunately. Hopefully we do get a few more games played. You know, Ballarat's nice. It's nice to have, you know, Hobart, and it's nice to have Launceston. It's nice to have GMHBA Stadium. It sort of feels a bit more local in those venues, but it does feel a bit cookie-cutter. Uh, the same about Marvel Stadium and the MCG, although the MCG does add a little bit extra special to it because there are various walks you can take. You can walk from Richmond. You can walk from the city. Um, the MCG does have something special to it. And not, not all of those old memories of mine are great. I mean, uh, I used to sit in the back seat of my grandfather's old Holden Premier. Um, where I don't think there was any seatbelts. And I reckon it was a three-cigarette cigarette trip for him to get to Prospect Oval back in those days. Um, thanks for your call, Joel. Ashley and Achuka, welcome to you, Ashley. Dwayne, how you going? Good, thanks. That's the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for our Fox game. I'm, I'm from home, having a beer and having a pie with my son. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort, of, sort of one for, you know, in the moment. I, I love going to the footy. I love watching it from home. But just quickly, um, I, also, I'm a pie supporter. I love to know if uh, other pie supporters sort of feel the same way. But last year, 2022, I would say that would have to be... I'm, I'm 39 years old, so I'd have to say that would, would have been the best year of home and away football for a Collingwood supporter. Um, in my time watching the game. Um, if we had got it done and, and, and beat Sydney, who knows what would have happened against the Cats. But I reckon last year has just made it so much more exciting for this year. Um, and, a lot, yeah, it'd be interesting to know if other five supporters do the same. But besides the, the grand final years in 2010 and 1990, I would say 2022 was the best year of footy for a Collingwood supporter. Yeah, I don't think there'd be an argument. Uh, the finals didn't quite pan out as well as you would have liked. But, gee, he gave Sydney a run for their money and... Um, you know, just uh, barring a one tiny ounce of luck, you get to the grand final. Hey, appreciate your call, Ashley. Great to have you on from all the way up there in Echuca and uh, enjoy sitting in the lounge um, with your son or your daughter, I think it was. Margaret in Sunbury. Welcome to you, Margaret. Great to have you on. Hi, Dwayne. I used to love going to the football. I would I echo what Nolene was saying and the other guy. We used to walk from Brunswick. When I lived in Brunswick as a kid, we walked all along Sydney Road to Princess Park, all parked at the zoo and walked from the zoo right through to the Princess Park and loved the banter along the way with different <laughs> supporters uh, of opposition and of... We, we, it didn't matter who we were sitting beside. Always had, we always made friends with them. Uh, great, great times. Walking through that MCG, uh, we used to park the car then those days. You've got a car. Park it at Fitzroy, walk from Fitzroy, right up through the gardens. Magic. Lovely. Oh, I miss those days like nobody's business. So, yeah, they were really, really good times, Dwayne. Could I ask you what car you were driving? What, what car were you going to the footy in back then, Margaret? I just mentioned my grandfather's old Holden Premier. What, what were you driving? My, if you might not have been driving, husband, what were you driving? My husband bought his first car uh, when I was 20, uh, Austin A40. <laughs> you haven't still got it, have you, at the back there in the weeds? No, we haven't. But I'll tell you what we still have. 
he all, when he was a boy, he had a 1929 Beeser motorbike, and we went everywhere till he got the car on the back of the. I, I was a pillion seat driver, and he had a Beeser motorbike, and uh, we've got it, but it's not not in good condition and. Taken the, my son took it to Lake Sentence. One day he said, I might restore it, but I don't know whether he ever will not. But the 1929 visa. So we went everywhere, everywhere on that motorbike. Work every day until we nearly had an accident. One day, one night, we were coming home along Melville Road and Pasco Vale, and it was damp, wet, and the back wheel skidded on an oil slick, my husband said at the time, and we went right across the road and I hung on tight and he didn't say anything. He was a quite a cheap man. He didn't use bad language or anything. He, he just quietly, he just drove it home, kicked the gate open, drove the bike up the back, hopped off it. He said, that's the last time you'll be on the motorbike and that was the last time we ever rode it. You're amazing to talk to, Margaret. You are always amazing to talk to. Thanks for giving us a call, and uh, and let's hope it's another great season for the Blues. Margaret from Sunbury. Quince the Barney from A-Rod. Uh, love it, A-Rod. And it is your life we're talking about. Your life of going to the footy or watching on TV couple of texts that have come through, so many texts have come through. Hi, Dwayne, I can remember going to all the Melbourne Suburban Grounds, Victoria Park, Arden Street, with the remnants of the old Greyhound track, Windy Hill, Punt Road, Junction Over, when St Kilda played there, uh, Princess Park, and I can still smell the mud at Glen Ferry, the Lake Oval, to watch us play South Melbourne. A highlight was the train trip down to Cadinia Park. Great memories. That's from Susan. Thanks for your text, Susan. Watching in Victoria is awesome live, but rubbish at the Gabba. Brisbane people just don't get it with all the yelling and screaming. Thanks for that. Hi, Dwayne. Um, great to have footy back. I prefer going to the footy. However, in recent times, the extra loud announces and the, at the quarter time breaks are annoying. The fans want to be able to chat to the person next to each other without yelling. Ian, uh, in Brisbane, thanks for your text, Ian. Uh, being at the ground is still the best, Dwayne. My family and I, Carlton supporters, that have gone every week for years and will continue to. The only annoyance is the constant uh, bus replacements for level crossing removal work, which is going to be happening up until at least round 12 this year on the Belgrave line. And that's what we are talking about earlier, just the extra hurdles logistically being put in front of people to make it even tougher to get to the thing they love, and that's live footy. Yes, Dwayne, the prospect oval, nothing better. Uh, no trains on the Bendigo line this weekend will effectively lower crowds, bus taking twice as long. Uh, there's nothing like being at the ground watching the game live, but my new 85-inch TV and surround sound system sure does make it hard on some cold nights and days. Thanks from Luke. Thanks for that. Used to love live footy on TV. Uh, nowadays, the main sound is the umpire whistling every five seconds, so I can no longer hear the atmosphere, so going to go to games, definitely better. That's from James. At the pub, best, because you get TV and the atmosphere. Uh, AFL is best watched live. NRL is best watched on TV. Dwayno, um, watching the Tigers live, there's nothing better. Watching Collingwood and Carlton get beaten by the teams in the comfort of my own home on HDTV is also pretty good. Keep your text coming through, 0433981116. Going to the footy, always much better experience, but watching it from home is 100 times easier. Everything is so expensive now. Getting there is horrible, and trying to park there is terrible. Mark from Vermont. 
nothing get, beats getting off. A pack train at Jollymont Station and walking across Yarra Park to the G. Uh, Dwayne, I try to watch all AFL games on TV. I would only be interested in going to the game if it was finals time. That's from Tony. Uh, so many coming through. Live AFL used to be better, but I'm sick of getting hammered with music and not being able to talk to my mates. Chose to watch it from home now. That's from Troy. Uh, Matthew here sitting at the pub with a full-strength beer and betting on the ponies of the boys. Still fantastic. Matt in Perth. So many texts. 0433 if you'd like to join me. I'll come back to your calls as well. And Sammy Edmund is about to join me to bring us a little bit of late-breaking news, I understand. Sammy, welcome to the program. Great to have you back. Dwayne, great to speak to you today. Yeah, concussion certainly has been the topic of conversation today, hasn't it, uh, in the wake of the AFL releasing that updated concussion guidelines and strategic plan. And Andrew Dillon, of course, joined Jared Waitley in this studio a little bit earlier on today. The reason I'm with you, uh, Dwayne, is because Margaret Injury Lawyers, who we've spoken about a bit in this space in recent times, Today did what uh, had been coming for some time. They lodged a landmark class action at the Supreme Court of Victoria against the AFL, and they're seeking compensation for the serious damage caused to former players by the impact of concussion. Now, I have a statement sent to me moments ago from Margaret Dwayne, and it cites Max Rook, former Geelong dual premiership player, of course, as the lead plaintiff in this writ, uh, obviously employed by the Geelong Football Club, played 135 games. And in this statement, they say, uh, Mr. Rook has suffered permanent life-altering injuries as a result of concussion-related injuries and due to the negligence, it says, of the AFL. Behind Max Rook is more than 60 former players who have come forward to join this class action. And they are players who have suffered head strikes while training or playing in the AFL between 1985 and March 14, 2023. So that has been tabled in the Victorian Supreme Court today, Dwayne, and uh, it's a pretty seismic development in uh, the ongoing, I guess, um, discussion uh, around concussion in sport. Yeah, we knew it was coming, but now it's here. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, well, every case is almost different, Sammy. So it'd be interesting to talk to you and Dr. Larkins a bit later on, and Mm. we'll continue to follow the story. But, uh, yeah, every individual case is an individual case that needs to be heard, and yet there's as you mentioned, more than 60 people's, people on this list. And there's people that wouldn't be on this list as well that would have issues but just uh, haven't put their name on the list to be part of it. So, yeah, it's a pretty uh, wide-ranging uh, report. I understand that the AFL has put together, and uh, that's why they've brought in these developments and changed the system. In essence. Yeah, and look, this statement is lengthy. Maybe we'll revisit it a little bit later on in, in your program, but um, it does uh, quote the um, managing principal of Margaret Injury, uh, injury Lawyers in, in Michelle Margaret. So um, there's a lot of statements here made on behalf of the players who um, this, um, the, I guess these lawyers are saying have had a devastating impact on their lives and the lives of their loved ones. It goes into some, some pretty specific detail concerning some of them, so perhaps something we'll revisit a little bit later on in the show. But uh, certainly all those documents now tabled with the Supreme Court. Just on that, uh, the AFL Players Association has been very proactive in helping players that need help and Mm. helping family members of players that have needed help. So the AFL Players Association have done a lot in a space to try and uh, help those players that are affected by all injuries and the families of those players that are affected. So, yeah, there's there's so many offshoots to this that will be followed in the next 6 to 12 months. This is not going to go away in a hurry. And... We'll talk to you later in the show about a bit more of it, Sam. No, absolutely. And the injury and hardship funds, that other side of it, which Andrew Dillon was open to um, to expanding as well in terms of resources and funding. So that's, that's the uh, I guess, the, the pool of money that's uh, annually provided to, to former players, Dwayne, uh, in this space. So, um, yep, there's many different topics and strands to take it. 
Great to have you, Sammy. I appreciate you jumping on at short notice to bring us that late breaking news. Sam Edmund, our chief reporter, thanks to Cooler Bar Turf, and you can check out Cooler Bar Turf online. I will play you a little bit of George Hewitt from this program, what, last week sometime from the Carlton Football Club. I asked George Hewitt about whether players are more educated now to the perils of playing AFL and the knowledge of head knocks and the 12-day protocol and whether they're, they're, he feels comfortable about playing a game that is essentially a collision injury game. Here's what George Hewitt had to say last week. That's been really good. I think, um, you know, you're probably because you just want to get respect from your teammates. I think, you know, everyone's um, had them. They, they sort of know now everyone really understands the situation. You don't lose, you know, respect or anything if you you, you don't feel right, which is um, which I think has been really good. Um, so hopefully that continues to happen and um, players feel safe. Um, if I don't feel ready to come back, which which is um, which has been really good by the AFL and the club doctors and everyone. Yeah, I think like that's such a it's still such a, a grey area. I think probably um, we AFL look like they're trying to improve their standards on it, putting this twelve day concussion protocol, which I think is great. Um, it might be tough when it comes to finals and stuff. I think yeah, you know, putting the players safety um, first. So I think, yeah, there's still a long way to come with all that. But I think, um, you know, you're hearing all these stories which are pretty sad. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, that's just part of, you know, contact sport. George Hewitt on the program last week from the Blues. And he did say the players are more comfortable these days in his knowledge. Uh, of saying, even after 12 days, no, I'm not right, and I'm still going to take time out of the game. Uh, Tina in Brighton's on the line. Welcome to you, Tina. Thanks for holding. Uh, thanks, Dwayne. Good afternoon to you, firstly. Uh, rain, hail or shine, definitely live. Uh, there's no better atmosphere. Uh, it's an, an amazing vibe. Uh, I enjoy watching what's going on at all parts of the ground. I enjoy watching... The inter, inter, interchange box to see what's going on. Um, I love when I was a kid going off to Windy Hill, Arden Street, as scary as it is, Victoria Park, Western Oval. I still travel down to Geelong. Um, great days. Uh, like my test cricket, I really, really enjoy going live. Even though I've got it all set up at home, um, big screens, Foxtel in two different areas of the house, uh, channel surfing all weekend because I like to watch all eight games. Um, there's just nothing better than being there. It's like a social event, but I'm not your typical Melbourne supporter that rolls out the cheese platter at half time. Um, I do like to have a sneaky wine before the game because I get a little bit nervous. But my only regret, regret uh, Dwayne, is that I never saw my deeds in the 21 grand final uh, over in Perth. You might get to see them in the 2023 grand final, Tina. They've recruited well and they're firing. Hey, hold the line. We've got something for you. We've either got a bottle of Starwood, two-fold double grain Australian whiskey, thanks to Harry Dog Summer of Aussie Spirits, coming your way, harrydog.com.au, or you can have a Dwayne's World T-shirt, whichever you prefer. Great to have you call, and make sure you call more often. David in Gownbray, welcome to you. David, great to have you on the line. Hey, great. Thanks for that. Uh, look, I just um, I was just after the whole India Australia test and the whole you know pitch doctoring potentially, and, and so there was something about home ground advantage and where it comes from. And you think with cricket would be probably the one of the greatest sports where they can actually change or alter the conditions. And you know, Gardenia Park, there's different ground dimension. And looked up the stats, and 
it's sort of uh, it's basketball and um, and uh, and soccer or football, which basically have the greatest home ground advantage, which shows you have had the same shape, same conditions. So, I'll sort of get your thoughts on it. I mean, it appears to me that the old home ground advantage isn't from from the the ground or etc. It's from the um, the cauldron that the, the fans create. It shows their importance. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I'm not going to argue with that. I think it is. If you've got a venue where 99% of the fans are barracking against you, then that's that's a weighty, um, you know, feisty kind of crowd, not only fighting the opposition, but yelling ball and forcing the umpire to make some calls that they might not necessarily jump to normally. So, yeah, sometimes, and we've seen it in the NBL. I don't know if you're following the... Uh, the best of five series between the Kings and New Zealand. But the refereeing, they've just hammered the referees, the two coaches, especially Chase Buford, who could, you know, when it comes to... NBL coaches have always hammered the refs over the time. It's been some rippers. But Chase would be in the all-star starting five when it comes to coaches that are hammered refs over time in the NBL. And, and the, the, he's been ejected and stuff. So, but, you know, maybe they've got actual gripes, but it does seem as if that weight of crowd involvement does have an impact on the game itself. Um, thanks for your call, David. I'm agreeing with you on that. David in Richmond, what can you, David? Oh, hi, Dwayne. Um, I've, I've missed out yesterday talking to you. You mentioned uh, Kane Corns that basically said Richmond's no good anymore. Um, I think we've got some good players like Cumberland really came came forward last year and, and kicked quite a few goals in the forward line, as well as uh, Morris Rioli Jr. So, Jr. so I'm not really sure where he's coming from I think we need a lot of injuries to actually um, not make the eight. And I think that probably is reflective of why Richmond's fourth or fifth in the favourites in terms of winning the flag. But you've also mentioned the Friday night times. It's actually round nine. Richmond is at 7.20pm because there's a double header that night. Mm-hmm. That's good then. Have you noticed so that we've got the eight. Well, I know that there's, there's two double headers this year on Friday nights, isn't there? So... I mean, that's a good news story in a way, but that means there's also a later game, though, David, doesn't it? Well, the later games are in Perth, which sort of helps the people in Perth get yeah. to the game by, what, 6.40 or whatever it is, their time. Yeah. So that makes sense to do that, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm happy with both. I wouldn't mind more double-headers. In fact, it was David Kosh who mentioned this about, oh, it must have been 12 years ago, that he wanted Friday night double-headers. He thought it was a great idea. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, but he's been in broadcasting a long time, David Koch, so he kind of knows the broadcast landscape better than most presidents. Appreciate your call, David. Rob in Tarnet, you there, Rob? Uh, good afternoon, Dwayne. Um, yeah, just on the discussion about the live sport, um, I think it depends on the sport. Um, for example, I, uh, my opinion only, I think cricket, and um, I think cricket is definitely better on TV, but... For example, I think the soccer, definitely better live. I took um, my boys on Sunday to an A-League game and they absolutely loved it. And um, just when there was a goal, when the goal was scored, it was just unreal. Like, yeah, there was only a small crowd, but they're making some noise. It was good. Yeah, I agree with you. I've been to a couple of A-League games and there is something epic about that roar. And I've had a couple of texts come through about it as well, saying, yeah, when you... When you get 80 minutes of, of just the bubble and then all of a sudden a goal is scored, it, it becomes a, an epic sound that is almost unforgettable. It's the thing that stays with you for, you know, the hours and hours and hours after the game. Hey, great to have you call. Midday Matters for rjsanderson.com.au, personal and business tax experts. Tony and Q, thanks for holding. Tony, welcome to you. Yeah, no problem, Dwayne. Um, 
that bombshell that was dropped on SCN about half an hour ago about the uh, Max Rook um, taking Supreme Court action over the concussion situation is, I think, probably one of the most significant news-breaking stories in the AFL's history. But the bigger issue, not the bigger issue, the equal issue is, Dwayne, all those footballers, boys and girls, men and women who are playing at community club level, um, country level, suburban, um, they all get concussions from time to time as well. I'm just wondering where, what the ripple effect is going to be as a result of this quite extraordinary um, news-breaking this news-breaking situation today, Ryan. Yeah, Tony, I was at a Fox footy get-together with a lot of those involved with this with the AFL, uh, including Andrew Dillon, um, a week and a half ago. And we got told a lot of stuff back then about the, the new regime, the new protocols that have been put in place, about the fact that the 12-day protocol is a 12-day minimum protocol. So if a player has any issues about staying out of the game forever, if he gets a head knock, then he will be supported in his attempt to get himself right before he ever plays again. Um, there is a lot of um, former players who are part of this um, action, if you like, and I need to get an understanding as to what they're all going through to try and find out each and every individual case, really, because as I said earlier, they are very different and varied. Some have got some horrible issues going on, and I don't know um, you know how bad they are. That's, that's the thing that these investigations are going to find out. So, yeah, I don't think we can really jump too much at conclusions as to what's about to happen, Tony, without letting it unfold before us and just get more educated and wiser on it. But what I do think will happen at local level, and I think has happened at local level and at the AFL level, and that is there will be a very, very cautious approach and a more cautious approach to, than ever to having injured players going back on the field and making their own decision about to go back on the field, which I suppose is the issue that a lot of clubs, local and the AFL, now have to decide. There has to be parameters in place to say, OK, you might feel well enough and all the checks and balances are in place to allow you to go on, but we actually might not be allowing you to go back on. So that's the repercussion that's going to happen. It's going to be a more cautious involvement by clubs at local level now than ever before. That's just the way I see it. Always great to have your company on Dwayne's World. Plenty more to come. Dr Peter Larkins to join us in around 15 minutes' time to give us his thoughts on... Well, he was at the International Consensus on Concussion in Sport Conference in Amsterdam that was addressed with Jared Whateley by Andrew Dillon earlier today and is part of the AFL's new review into the handling of concussive issues. So we'll talk to Dr. Peter Larkins, who was at that conference in about 15 minutes from now. But your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, the open line number. A couple of things that got lost in the wash because it was a holiday yesterday for a few. David Koch, the chairman of Port Adelaide, said something. Well, he said a few things interesting yesterday. said he would see how Port Adelaide is travelling in August, which is about round 21 of the 24-round season, before addressing Ken Hinckley's coaching contract. He also said they expect to play finals, so you can put those two things together and tell the world that if Port Adelaide don't play finals, it's unlikely that Ken Hinckley would get re-signed. But he also said this. He said the re-signing of coaches mid-season never helps a season for the better. Brett Ratton was re-signed by St Kilda mid-season last year. Certainly didn't help Brett Ratton. Certainly didn't help St Kilda. St Kilda and it actually brought some ridicule on St Kilda at the end of the season when they removed Brett Ratton and replaced him with Ross Lyon. Stuart Jew 
was re-signed mid-season last season. Hasn't seemed to ended speculation on what might happen if Stuart Dew and the Suns don't improve this year as well. Here's David Kosh. Is he correct in saying that no club that makes a decision mid-season has seen that make their season better? I would challenge you to come up with an example of where uh, a club has made uh, any sort of extreme decision in the middle of the year and it's been successful and has, has changed the course of the year. Uh, I can't think of any. Uh, good good clubs give their uh, football department the very best chance uh, of winning without any distractions and that's what we do. So that's Koshi. Is he right? Has there been a time when someone's been re-signed mid-season and it's actually helped their season? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Also wanted to play you something else, Koshi said, because it was of interest to me. He said that if you bottom out, if your club has been up the top and they bottom out to try and get draft picks, it's an admission that you failed. And Port Adelaide never be, never want to be, while he's chairman, one of those clubs because it will be a, an admission of failure. Here's Koshi on that from yesterday. There should never be a year that we don't make finals. And... Uh... You know, uh, that's why you will never hear the word rebuild from me or whatever, because I, I think it's uh, an excuse for failure. And, and we know our members and supporters, which have an expectation, um, that we are competitive and successful every year. And success is, success is making finals, and we embrace that expectation. David Kosh, uh, there's a few people out there that don't necessarily like Koshy, and I get that. He's a divisive character. He's a media performer as well, so some like his stuff, some don't. But is he right with both of those assessments? A couple of texts before I head back to your calls on that open line, brought to us by Werribee Kia, Werribee Kia open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So jump on. Dr Peter Larkin's about 15 minutes away. Werribee Kia awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year Award. Werribee Kia, where else? And send your text through as well on the 40 Winks Temper text, 0433981116. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. A um, couple of texts that have come through that I should have read in the last hour. Dwayne, is it just me or is Test Cricket much more watchable when the pitch is doing stuff? John in Mernda. Yeah, it did fizzle out yesterday. I agree with you. Sammy Edmund is of the belief that he'd rather a three-day thriller than a five-day ball fest. So there are a few... In that regard, uh, Chris from Mill Park, watching on TV for me is the best as it's way too expensive to spend the day at the footy these days. So there are a few coming through and we've still got the Twitter poll up, by the way. Would you prefer watching at the ground or at home? Do you prefer watching at the ground or at home these days? Dwayne, live footy is more forgiving from a supporter point of view. You can see what players are aiming for rather than the TV not capturing the whole ground and yelling at the telly. Who the hell was he kicking that to? Because you're right, at the ground you can see who the hell he was at least trying to kick the ball to. Hi, Dwayne. Um, there was just an ad on the ad break stating that it is better at the local pub over watching at the ground or love at the ground. Andrew and Cranbourne, yeah, I heard that. That was for the Sporting Globe saying that it's better to watch at the pub. So there you go. It's uh, continued to be a topic. Dwayne, you can't get hot jam donuts on Fox. That's from Simo. So he goes to the footy. For a little bit of live footy and the hot jam donuts. Uh, G'day, Pipe. It's a lottery. Win. Good seats. Drama-free commute. No idiots live is awesome. Uh, lose. Uh, rip off food. 
Lines for the Dunny, idiots nearby, train cancellations, car pass closed, nothing worse. Mick in Cranny. Yeah, it is a bit of a lottery uh, going to the footy these days because there are a few of those hurdles that get in your way. Getting the train to the MCG, then dropping into the Royal for a beer, one of the great Sunday activities. Uh, Dwayne, uh, it's a contact sport. You play at your own risk. There's a few of those coming through from Scott as well. Dr. Peter Larkins to address all that shortly. Um, at the pub is best because you get TV and the atmosphere, great food, and be there with your mates. Uh, hi, Dwayne. Wowee, how exciting. Footy is back. Can't wait for Thursday night, Tiger v Blues. This season's going to be amazing. Um, that's from Susan as well. A couple here on the text as well. David Kosh is 100% correct. Why re-sign a coach midway through a season, wait until the season's ended, and then make a decision until the cold light of day? Keep your text coming through. If you've got a thought on Koshy's comments, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. that open line number. Sam and Keelor Downs, you've been holding for a while. Welcome to you, Sam. Uh, Go on, yes, Wayne. Uh, look, your show's very aptly named Midday Madness, and I think the AFL uh, is showing madness in the Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan inquiry uh, in as much as taken five and a half months to investigate in this point of time with no result. Now, uh, the situation is, if there's a person who's making the accusations and allegations does not want to be interviewed or scrutinised, then there's a simple answer. It should be thrown out. No case to answer. Uh, the way Clarkson and Fagan have been treated, to me, has been absolutely appalling. Uh, yes, Sam. Make... Yes, yes, Wayne? Yeah, I think we've just got to let it play out, Sam. I don't think that we have to put a timeline on it just because we want it done. Uh, and I think that there are um, people talking to investigators. So that's why it is taking a while. I think there are people talking, my understanding is at least, that there are people prepared to talk to investigators as long as it's on their own terms and they feel safe about doing it. So those parameters are around those people who are talking to investigators and it's being investigated in the time frame that it needs to take. So I get that you want it fast-tracked and I get that Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan and Footy might want it to be over. But I think that it, it's one of those things that you just need to let it take its course. And, you know, thumping your fist on the table saying, well, it should be over now. We've had enough. I reckon the timeline's enough. We're not in it. So we don't really know exactly what these people who are making allegations are feeling, what they need to go through to get their feelings and their truth out there. And then how long it's going to take to let Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan and co. tell us their truth. So let's let it all play out in good time, I believe. Appreciate your call, though, Sam. Tom in Burwood, you there, Dom? Well, g'day, Dwayne. How are you? Good. Yeah, good. Oh, footy's back. I reckon it's coming on the best seasons ever. A couple of quick points. Um, with people going to footy, there's no doubt that with Belgrave, Lilydale train lines, buses replace trains for the first 10 weeks, and I think it's eight weeks on the Hurstbridge line, that's going to make it harder for people to attend as many games as they want. The other thing, the MCG car park, is that just closed all the time? And just another point, with concussion, if you have a look, going back to when you play, you, you, you look at the old video. I mean, the thing was, guys just went out and belted blokes in the head all the time. You, I mean, even as, as a few years ago, you could hit someone in your head with your shoulder and it wasn't even a free kick. And I think the way the AFL are treating concussion now, 
to even as little as 15 years ago. It's like comparing an FJ Holden to a Lamborghini, and I think they're, they're doing the right thing. And people have complained about, oh, they're changing the rules, it's too soft, it's a man's sport. I think, you know, the AFL are doing everything to protect the players, and I think they're to be congratulated on it. Appreciate your call, Dom. You know, your car analogy is probably one of those analogies that can be used in that, you know, 20-odd years ago, it wasn't compulsory to wear a seatbelt in a car. I mean, some cars you could buy without a seatbelt. So, um, you know, drive around without a seatbelt on. So there are a lot of things that we've been educated on when it comes to safety that are now in law, that are now rules, because we want to enhance the opportunity for people to do what they want to do, and that is drive a car, but feel safer doing it. Know that you are with more safety parameters around you while you do it. And footy's very much the same. But, you know, in in the 70s and 80s, it was a brutal game. But you also knew it was a brutal game playing it. So, you know, there's that, there is that trade-off that a lot of people on the text are talking about right now. Um, see text on it that, you know, I could read them all out about the, the fact that the players know how brutal the game is. The players know how brutal the game was. But as I said earlier, each individual case, even though there might be 60 names on this list, each individual case will have individual moments where they did or didn't come back on. They'll have their own stories to tell. So we need to be able to allow them to tell their own individual stories. Dr Peter Larkins, who was at that international consensus on concussion and sport conference in Amsterdam, is going to join us next, by the way. So stick around. Over 350 votes so far on our Twitter poll on the Dwayne's World website. Is it better watching footy live? 60% 60% say yes, 40% say it's better watching on TV in high definition. Dr. Peter Larkins has been good enough to join me, thanks to the deluxe iced coffee range from McCafe, the number one sports medico in the business. Doc, thanks a lot for joining me again. Great to have you back on. Thanks, Dwayne. That just proves you're not as old as people say you are, Dwayne. That's good to hear, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe <laughs> so. Maybe, we are learning, though. At this... Maybe your football career well, that... brain isn't remembering. <laughs> Well, that is the issue, Doc, I suppose. I mean, I've had concussions. I've had, you know, I've been lucky enough to have a, a good life and a good career. But, you know, there's a couple of things that happen to me every now and then. And I wonder, well, is that due to being bashed around the head a couple of times? And I can't remember this or, you know, I've got to be yeah. a bit angry at that. It's a, it's a difficult situation for everyone to assess. Now, I know there's people in extremely difficult situations that have kind of got no doubt as to why they're yeah. in that situation with their brain that they're in but there is a lot of people that will probably be in the middle of this this is the dilemma i think Dwayne. there's a huge spectrum of differences in terms of memory behavior and you know just behavior generally and whether you played sport or not concussed or not because i think you just alluded to an interesting point about this concussion story is there are guys that got significantly concussed and well documented and probably you know treated with the convention of the day going back on the field who have got no symptoms whatsoever who are significantly older than some of the younger players who are now you know, taking class action and claiming that they have had concussions, no doubt about that, but secondly, they've got worse mental behaviour or memory behaviour. So the spectrum of what's normal in the community and what's normal from sport, we are still on a big learning curve, as I've said to you before. So what do you take away from the AFL's revamp policy? I'm not sure. I know you've been in surgery today, so you might yeah. not have oh, no, had a I've chance to read it all, but what have you taken? 
Well, I've been aware of it coming to an and you and I spoke about the huge, you know, expert concussion meeting just a few months ago in Europe, which was really was the world's, you know, elite um, discussing this. And so the guidelines that are alluded to in the AFL protocol that was talked about in the last 24 hours, those guidelines are due to be released. They're overdue because the expert committee is putting those out. So it's really, look, just for the, the summary is it's not a significant difference. So if you look at what 2022 was in terms of players being taken off the ground and tested and having to pass a whole lot of tests, before they play again. Nothing much is going to change. I mean, the the real confusion is this 12-day rule because it's not a rule. It's a guideline, Dwayne, and I think it's it's quite reasonably discussed at the moment that the 12-day is not a scientific thing. And, in fact, if you look at world concussion, most people, most people, as in 90% plus, recover within 14 days. And so the 12-day sort of became a guideline. Now, in AFL footy, as it's rightly pointed out by Michael McDesey, up to 30% of players aren't recovered by 12 days in AFL. So we're a different sport compared to all the sports around the world where that general 14-day thing came out. So, But we are using the 12-day as a guideline, but players will miss a lot more time. But we haven't really got more sophisticated tests in 2023 in the season, Dwayne. We're still going to be part of science, part instinct. Yes, we're doing research, or the, the scientists are. But we're just going to see players, you know, I think the conservative approach, which I think is what the AFL and the AFL clubs do, is is going to be the the continuing thing in 2023. So there's an initial test when someone comes off if they've had a head knock. The doctor conducts that within minutes. And then if they believe they need a a scat test, which will take, what, 20 minutes, and they will go downstairs and do that? Yeah. Yeah, so any head trauma or head incident requires an HIA, a head injury assessment. That's not the concussion test. That's a head injury assessment. Yes, no. Is there a concern? If it's a yes, then the concussion test comes on board and they go out of sight and downstairs. And that's certainly, look, it's hard to do it under 12 to 15 minutes. So there's a significant time frame to be done properly. So when a player goes downstairs and comes back after seven minutes, I'm always a bit concerned, Dwayne, that the test either wasn't done or certainly was a half test done. But the SCAT, the Sports Concussion Assessment Tool, it's pretty rudimentary. It keeps getting upgraded. But certainly the, the discussions at that meeting I spoke to you about were that the, the SCAT, whilst it's the best we've got, it's certainly not foolproof. And so we are still in an era when there's no magic test, whether it's a blood test, a saliva test, a scan. There's nothing you can do in that 10-minute window to give the coach the answer. So there's the initial test, the HIA, then there's the SCAT if required. There's also a spotter in the ARC, in the review centre that the AFL yep. has. It's not a doctor, yep. it's not an independent doctor, but it's a spotter reviewing the collision mechanisms and how a player gets yep. up from a collision to, to alert doctors? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's an excellent introduction because doctors are so busy. You know that they're working at ground level. With some grounds, they've got an elliptical shape to the ground. You don't see the far side all that well. You're watching a player because he's just had a hammy or a shoulder and something happens. So the spotters, and there are some doctors doing it because I do know some of the individuals, Dwayne, so there are medical people doing that. Um, and often they're doing it from an elevated position with the advantage of the replay. They can call it up and control it from the broadcast and they can alert the doctor, look, Dwayne's just had an incident. He got up, he was a bit shaky. You may not have seen it. Then the doctor has a chance to look at it on his feet of the game or her feet of the game down at the bench and then say, oh, my God, I missed that because it happened so far, it happened so quick. And so the spotter is really an extra set of support. Now, the club doctor makes the decision whether you've got concussion or not, not the independent person. But the independent person is excellent because it gives the doctors an extra set of eyes. So you were at that discussion, the conference, the consensus in Amsterdam. What since, and we've spoken about it since, so what resolutions have come through to you since we've spoken last? Is there any new uh, initiatives that other sports are taking um, in their sport because of what's come from Amsterdam? Yeah, look, I mean, 
there were lots of themes and guidelines coming out of it for sure, Dwayne. I mean, the sports won't adopt anything formally until the official guidelines come out from the expert panel. That was that was muted to be the end of January, and here we are, March, and it hasn't come out. But they will be you know, definitive when they come out. I mean, the things that I took home, and I think we spoke about it, is that the kids who get concussion take longer to go back to, to normal, and so even double. So even with the same amount of force, the same amount of early signs, the same amount of early symptoms... So children, we're talking about children, we're talking about underdeveloped brains and, and really under 18. So it's not even kids, they're adolescents and teenagers, Dwayne. So that was a strong message. The other message is it's better to exercise as soon as possible after concussion. Now, not train and footy and get bumped and tackled, but to walk around the block, walk around the lake, do exercise. Don't lie in a dark room, which used to be that because the exercise has been shown to be beneficial. And I think the third strong message out of that was that you don't need to be concussed ever to get CTE in, in your brain. So the traumatic encephalopathy can occur based on accumulative head knocks. And this is really where the dilemma for sports is coming along, Dwayne, because knocks can occur in teammates and it can occur in a tackle. So it's not the number of concussions in a con- career, it's the number of head knocks. And this is where the difficulty of sport comes in because we've seen all these monitors, mouth guards, you know, helmets with with sensors in them. Yeah, we know you get head knocks, but does that mean we're not going to play the sport? I think there's a real dilemma coming up because prevention is certainly better than treating and we've got to work out how to prevent the head shaking. Well, they'll never ban boxing, Doc, so we're always going to have that as a sport. Will they yeah. ban boxing? What, what, what happens no, with no, soccer? Because is there, yeah. is there a possibility that you get CTE because you've headed the ball? 10,000 times in your life. It's a possibility. It's documented. It's documented already in retired players who have died and been brained um, and analysed. And so soccer have introduced junior rules where no heading of the ball is allowed at all. Now, imagine that in footy where you're not allowed to Mm. kick the ball in case you get a sore foot. You know, so it's, you know, it's it's not, I mean, soccer is a foot game, of course, but your heading is Mm. a big part of the sport. Similarly in training, they're not allowed to head the ball in junior sports. They've changed the, the weight of the ball. They've introduced headgear. Uh, into under-15 soccer in Europe and did a two-year trial and they showed they reduced the number of concussions in soccer, not in footy, as we call it, but soccer, where you know the, you know the controversy about whether headgear reduces um, concussion, Wayne, we've had that, but in soccer they showed a reduction of 46%. This was a um, study released wow. at that, that conference I was at. So, so soccer is all over it because there are simply more people playing soccer than there are AFL footy, and so clearly there's more cases potentially of CTE unless we do something about it, let alone other sports like ice hockey and the jockeys. And boxing? Well, boxing, look, I go head-to-head, and that's the pun I didn't intend to use, but, I, I, you know, I've, I've bantered with Gus Mercurio and people on panels, and, I, you know, I understand boxing's incredible fit sport, it's skillful, but, you know, if you want to have boxing and continue it on, why try to damage someone's brain and knock them out? Why not just make boxing that you get points for hits to the body and, and, and scoring that way, as they do in, you know, in fencing and as they do in other sports? Because, you know, if you, you can't ban it. I know it won't be banned, but it's always going to be controversially in the medical world simply because my intention, if I'm a boxer, is to finish the fight as soon as possible, knock you out and head out for dinner. And, and the fans pay a lot of money, and the, you know, and yet they roar when it's a first-round knockout. So to me, there's a bit of an enigma with boxing because I understand the fitness and I understand the career it's provided for, for kids, particularly from other kids who have come from backgrounds where boxing was their way to get an identity, Dwayne. But if you're hitting in the head, you're going to get head trauma. You're going to get concussion. You're going to get KO'd, as they say in boxing. So to me, you know, it, it's the wrong way message to send if you're trying to have safe sport. But I know I'll get held down for that, but it's always been my position medically. And do you think we'll get to a stage where we get a finding from Amsterdam that 12-day minimum is not enough? Yeah, absolutely we will. As I said, the, the, the problem with the 12-day, it was that most people 
in world sport, not just in footy, in every sport, the, the, the 14 days saw most people returned under the current assessment guidelines of MRI scans and repeat scat tests and neuropsych testing. But the point is that when, when most do, that means there's a some don't. So we know and that we've got, you know, we got cases of, of AFL players who have taken months to get back or never played again. So I think the guideline of 12 days is simply, look, the optics of it were good when players were playing the following week after concussion. Because one of the things that you will see done better, Dwayne, very quickly is the protocol of what tests you've got to go through when you train, when you train with your mates, when you train with non-contact, when you train with contact, when you do match practice or when you play. There's a lot of stages that you've got to go through in this protocol and it takes 12 to 14 days to do that properly. And I think there were some shortcuts taken in the past and I think the AFL has put everyone on notice that shortcuts won't be accepted. And do doctors overrule players who say they're fine that, but the doctor will say, no, you're not and we, we, we're not letting you go back on? Is there an instance where a, a player might not be with his full faculties to make his own decision? Yep. I've not heard of that for years, Dwayne, and, and I know it was it happened when you played. It happened when I was a club doctor at certain clubs because the players, you know, they got a lot of power and the coaches had a lot of power. And, you know, if Lance Franklin's staring you in the eye or Dusty, and I know they're terrific fellows, so sorry, Lance and Dusty, I don't mean... But, I mean, if, if they're saying they're right to go, you've got to be very strong as a doctor and say, no, you're not right to go. So I think in the current era... era of medico-legal situations and the players getting briefed and told repeatedly how their brain's got to be looked after. I, I can't, I don't know of a circumstance in recent seasons where a player or a coach has been silly enough to override a medical opinion, Dwayne. And will players, um, will doctors override players after 12 days saying, no, we don't believe you're right? Is there Absolutely. any way a doctor can... Well, that's already happened. Now, that, that's a good example. I know that there's been, and I know there's been disputes between coaching panels and doctors where the, the player has told the coach he's right. All of the, the objective measurements, if you like, that have been done show that um, the player might be recovered. But the instinctive knowledge of the doctor or the, some of the subtle art where the doctor has overridden the player and the coach to say, no, Dwayne's not ready to go. I know he's, I know he's missed two, but he's going to miss another one or another, another week. And I think that's an excellent thing. You've got to be a strong doctor to do that, but hopefully the AFL doctors know that they really are under the, the pressure from the media, they're the pressure from the lawyers. They need to stick to their knowledge and their guns. And one last quick one. Would the AFL better off, be better off having an independent doctor as opposed to the spotter in the arc? I don't believe so because I think there's an instinctive knowledge of a player. If you've been the club doctor for four, five, six, seven years, you know the player off-field as well as on-field. I think the ability for the player to, to, to pull the wool over your eyes, to use the old um, expression, Dwayne, or to fool you, I think the club doctor is still the best person to do that. I, I believe the third doctor is important to alert the club doctor to the event, as we said earlier. But I think there's still an instinctive knowledge that goes with knowing your patient, that is the player, better than an independent person who really doesn't know when you might be fooling me, Dwayne. Doctor, it's always great to be able to have a chat to you and uh, educate myself um, and the audience. Uh, it's a benefit for me to understand all this stuff. So thanks a lot for helping me yeah, understand. It's an, ongoing, talk it's an ongoing story. There'll be controversies this season, Dwayne, but uh, hopefully we'll see the conservative approach accepted by the fans and the coaching panels. Thanks, Dwayne. Good stuff. Dr. Peter Larkins joining us, esteemed sports medico. Joined us from a cafe coffee catch-up. Head to the drive-through for a deluxe iced coffee range from a cafe. It's real coffee, real deluxe. But Jason McCartney's been good enough to join me. Giants general manager of football. The Giants face the Adelaide Crows in their opening game of the AFL season this weekend. And Jason, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for your time. 
Hi, Dwayne. How are you going? It's very exciting, isn't it? It is very exciting. I don't want to bring the, the mood down a little bit. We've been talking about a concussion a lot. You've obviously had a look at this updated concussion policy from the AFL. Uh, any new checks that are going to be done at club level, do you think, that are going to be brought in or any sort of uh, realignment of your staff in, in, on the back of this? Yeah, look, obviously it's something that only come through early this morning, so just sort of working through the documentation as we speak. But I just think uh, I heard Andrew Dillon on with uh, Jared this morning, and I just think it's wonderful that the AFL has got this strategy to be, uh, you know, cutting edge and, and world class, leading the way in, um, I suppose, investigation and treatment around concussion. Because obviously, um, there's just uh, there's been so many cases around the world, and obviously some AFL players that their um, careers have been curtailed or their post-career life hasn't been what they'd love, like it to be. So a- anything we can do to make sure that we're right on top of this, I think, is a wonderful initiative and an important initiative. And do you think clubs will be more cautious than ever? Well, I think we have been in general, to be, to be brutally honest, over the last... Mm. You know, since some of these policies have come into place and obviously the mandatory uh, 12 days uh, sitting out, um, so uh, it's something that's been the forefront of all clubs, staff and our, our medical staff and our doctors do just an outstanding job in the treatment of players with any sort of injury and, and in particular, obviously, injuries to the head. And if the new protocol does come out mid-season where it ends up being 14 days or 15 days, you just go with it? That's just the way it is? The AFL has to bring that in? If that's the, the recommendation by you know the best medicos in the world, uh, I think it's something that we just uh, we play by the rules. If it's the the, uh, the right way to go about it, that's what needs to happen. Uh, so be it. Let's talk about your season. I've heard people tip you to make the eight. I've heard people tip you to make you to, to have a bottom four season. Do you know what kind of season you're going to have, or are you just as in the dark as most people when they look at your list and you've got a new coach? Yeah, it's interesting. I've heard some of the commentary about it. It has been uh, has been mixed. Look, all I can say is, I think the way the AFLs run the preseason this year is something that's been uh, just fantastic because no one really knows where anyone sits, and it's uh, it's kind of a nice way to enter the season. So, what I can say about us though is, we're we're extremely pleased, uh, albeit still a lot of work to do, but we're extremely pleased with so much change that we undertook at the end of last season with not only a senior coach but a whole new coaching team bar one. Um, of where we currently sit and where we're placed heading into the season. And I know Adam's been on record and we're talking about a lot internally. Yeah, uh, we're here to win now and win in the future. So there's things with, uh, we'll play a different style of footy, which was um, on display in one practice match that we've had. But um, yeah, we're under no illusions. We've still got a lot of work to do. So you've got a new coach, you've got a new captain as well. And Toby Green might be a new Toby Green as well, do you think, to one that we've seen evolve himself to a more mature player in the last couple of years? Yeah, look, Toby's Toby obviously in the role last year with with Stephen and, and uh, Josh Kelly and Stephen Cornelio, but obviously he's the sole captain. Yeah, Toby's, Toby's always had this, uh, I suppose, ability. He's been that on-field inspirational leader and uh, he's just been going about his business really maturely and um, he's probably reaching out and doing a few different things and tapping into some people who have, fulfilled the role and fulfilled the role successfully, whether it be in, in AFL, other sports and in business. So, yeah, we don't see it'll be, uh, be a pretty smooth transition. We've obviously had uh, multiple captains for, for many years at our, at our football club, but um, 
obviously Tadby being the sole captain, he's going to be wonderfully well supported again by Stephen Cornelio and Josh Kelly. And then there's that change in a bit of makeup of the leadership group with uh, Connor Ide and uh, Sam Taylor coming in and then Harry Perryman and, and Tom Green. So there's uh, yeah, some, some new blood in that leadership group and uh, we feel we're really well placed uh, in that space, to be honest. How did you de- address it with Stephen Cornelio? Yeah, it was one thing. Probably Adam led the, the way there. Whilst we are working through a process, Adam had some constant dialogue with both Stephen and Josh, who had obviously fulfilled the role with Toby. But uh, whilst we worked through the process, outlined what the process would be, but Adam was also really upfront with uh, his thoughts Would probably would move to a sole captain. So the boys were aware that would be the case. So when both Adam and myself sat down with both uh, Josh and Stephen to, to talk them through the process and how it unfolded and where it landed, look, they, they just took it, took it as well as uh, you could imagine, very selfless in their nature and just kept going and continuing on. They're, they're wonderful leaders, both those boys anyway. So... Um, not having the actual C beside their name, I don't think it'll change them one bit. So they've both had outstanding pre-seasons and uh, they're leading really well and supporting Toby, Toby wonderfully well. Do you see the tactical use of the sub making you know a, an in-game change with your sub, who you use as your sub being a, a weapon this year? I think it will be. Like I'm not privy to the numbers. We All the clubs late last year... Mm, sort of put in their submissions around how it could land. And um, obviously the tactical sub was something we were keen on. It's interesting that many years ago when there was a sub, no one liked it, but the medical sub obviously uh, was a bit harder to harder to, uh, to handle than anything. So we've gone back to it. But it will be interesting to see uh, how sides will go about it this year. It's not one that's consumed our, a lot of our time uh, in the pre-season because we've had just so much to do with implementing a new style of play. So... It's one that there's been a little bit of discussion around this week, but, yeah, not sure how that one will land. It'll probably be like selection most weeks at most clubs. The last couple of positions in the sub will take up most of the time at match committee. Do you have to name your sub when you release your teams on a Thursday night, or do you only have to name your sub an hour before the game and you name a 23 on the Thursday night? Yeah, great question. Obviously, with the medical sub, uh, that was one that was just uh, obviously the hour before. So uh, we'll, we'll get across and have a good look at all that this week um, in preparation. Obviously, the squad lands on Thursday night. So um, we'll, we'll have a look at what we need to be doing around that and um, we'll go from there. Has the AFL not told you? Is that the reason you don't know? No, 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 no. My operations, operations manager, Stephen Doyle, he's, uh, we do get a lot of information to the AFL. And all right. That, uh, that information and the in-season uh, rules and regs came out uh, last week. So he'll, he'll, he'll present uh, tomorrow morning a meeting with myself and the coaches around anything that um, uh, changes to what we need to do when we do announce the site on Thursday. So we'll work through that. Get Sammy Edmund to chase it up in the next half hour. The AFL hasn't released it to us, at least, as well as to whether you have to name your sub on the Thursday night or whether you can do it an hour before the game. So hopefully we get a resolution on that. You mentioned your new game style. What do we look out for to know if it's being implemented? Yeah, obviously we're looking to, uh, you know, be pretty bold with our ball movement, get calculated. So we'll, we'll look to play a bit quicker. There's no doubt about that. But in doing so, we want to make sure we've got really strong defence to, to back that up. It's no good being, uh, being all one way. So it's something uh, getting the ball in our front half. It's not too dissimilar to most of the other sides are wanting to play and 
high pressure, lock it in there and, and, and score. But yeah, the indicate early indicators through what we've seen, albeit it has been against a lot against ourselves and only the one real test against opposition in the Gold Coast a couple of weeks ago. All that was pleasing is that you hope to see glimpses of it come out and it probably come out in some large chunks uh, our style of play. So, yeah, that was pleasing, but that's two weeks ago and now that the real stuff starts on Sunday against the Crows who, yeah, look, they're, they're a really high-pressure side. Uh, they look like they're building nicely. It's hard to read too much into the pre-season, but they had two strong performances, so that's all we can go off and knowing, like I said, that they do pride themselves on the, the pressure they put on the opposition. So it's going to be a big test for us. It is. A quick one. Any first gamers for round one? Probably, look, Aaron Catlett will be in the mix, our number one draft pick. Um, he he went, went, had a really good pre-season, uh, went well, played him at VFL level two weeks ago, just purely and simply to get a full game because... Uh, we're, we're rotating around 26, 28 players in that game. You end up only getting sort of half a game. So he uh, he kept his name up in lights. Uh, but obviously with Himmelberg going and playing forward again, uh, the makeup of that, Himmelberg kicked goals, Riccardi kicked goals, Hogan was there. So he'll be around the mark, but whether he gets there um, this week or not remains to be seen. But uh, I'm sure it won't be, if it's not this week, it won't be... Uh, too far into the future before he's uh, debuting for us for the for the first opportunity in the uh, orange and charcoal. Good on you, Jason. Great to have a chat to you. Good luck against the Crows. Thanks very much, Dwayne. Looking forward to it. We'll talk throughout the year. Jason McCartney, General Manager of Football at the Giants. Big hours to come on Dwayne's Court for Master Builders Victoria. Get expert legal support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena Already on the text, a couple have come through saying, please name the sub on the Thursday night. One here, Dwayne, as an avid super coacher, would love teams to release their teams with the sub already picked. Nothing worse than setting up your lineup to find out an hour before the game your player has been subbed. Faz, so whether the AFL will take super coach into account, I doubt, but I can't wait to find out the naming of the sub. Resolution. Maybe Sammy's got an answer to that as he joins us. Thanks to Coolabar Turf, Victoria's premier supplier of instant lawn. Welcome back to oh, you, Sammy Ebner. Dwayne, there's another text here that you didn't read out from Mario, so I'll put it to you. Are you going to pull out the prison bar Guernsey out of the mothballs for the round three showdown and wander mm. around Port Adelaide guns out like the old days? Well, one, I can't fit into my old lace-up <laughs> prison bar, so uh, if I did put it on, there'd be uh, a big um, mohair skivvy for about three inches in between the where the jumper doesn't quite come together. Right. And uh, I am calling that game, so no, I don't think I'll be calling that game in my prison bar. Righto. <laughs> Sorry, Mario. Sorry to disappoint, but appreciate your text oh, yeah. just the same. I think um, uh, that's conjured an image that no one really wants while they're eating their lunch. But anyway, thank you for your text. Hey, now the sub rule or the naming of the sub, if you like, there's no change here. So uh, clubs can obviously name, especially for Sunday squads and, and Saturday if they're named on Thursday, extended squads. But an hour before the game, they have to finalise that squad. And that does include the identity of the sub. So same as okay. same as last year, Dwayne. No, they will not be bowing to any uh, super coach related pressures if there even do any do exist. And another query on the text: Any replacement for Brad Scott on the All Australian Selection Panel? 
Uh, I think has the All Australian selection panel been locked in? I thought it had. Um, okay. Don't ask me for the identity of it off the top of my head, but I'm pretty well, sure Nick that Rewalt's was... not part of it either. No, um, leave that as homework for me, Dwayne. But my, right. oh, okay. I thought that was tied away. Hey, a big day hasn't it been uh, in oh, yeah. the, in the, when it comes to concussion and elite level sport? And just recapping that news we brought you earlier: more than sixty. It's a big group. More than sixty former players have taken the AFL to the Supreme Court. They're seeking compensation for what they say, Dwayne, is serious damage caused by the impact of. Of concussion. Now, this class action has been long coming. It's been brought on by Margaret Injury Lawyers today. Documents are on behalf of players who have suffered concussion-related injuries through head strikes while training or playing between 85 and March 14, 2023. The lead plaintiff named in the writ is a dual premiership player, Jared Maxwell Rook, obviously known as Max Rook, who played 135 games. And it is alleged by Margaret, actually, Dwayne, that Rook suffered permanent life-altering injuries as a result of concussion-related injuries and due to what they say uh, is the negligence of the AFL. So they're seeking compensation for pain and suffering, economic loss and medical expenses. And uh, the managing principal, um, Michelle Margulit of Margulit Injury Lawyers, Dwayne, goes on to say in a statement, the injury suffered by this group of former AFL players as a direct result of the concussion sustained while playing Aussie rules has had a devastating impact on their lives and the lives of their loved ones. Some of the players who have joined this landmark class action have never been able to hold down a job after leaving the AFL. Their personal lives have been shattered and they live with constant physical and mental pain. It's heartbreaking and they need to be adequately cared for. Now, the statement goes on uh, for some period of time, but that's it in a nutshell at the moment. Uh, Obviously coming on the same day that the AFL released uh, their new updated, if you like, concussion guidelines and strategic plan running through until 2026. So been a big day on the concussion front. It has, and a lot of texts and calls about it as well, and I think we'll continue to get a lot of texts and calls. I was actually, I didn't realise that um, they've stopped junior soccer players around the world yeah. from heading the ball. I didn't realise that until Dr. Peter Larkins told me that. He didn't sound all that favourable about boxing either, but uh, uh, there's been, a, I think, a few coming through on the text on Dr. Peter Larkins' assessment of that. Let's hope, let's hope we're not talking about the MCG surface on Friday morning, Sammy, but um, it is an issue. Now, what do you think? I've got a hold of some photos from the surface this morning. I'm sure you've seen them by now. It is obvious that there are some seam marks, if you like, uh, where the new turf has been placed up against the old turf as the jigsaw puzzle, if you like, goes into position. Now, of course, they're not going to be um, they're not going to take in the sense that they're going to be noticeable on Thursday night anyway. So the concern from people, and I listened to David King this morning, is that we are going to run the gauntlet here. And the, and the, the worst doomsday scenario, of course, is that it shifts and someone gets injured. Now, obviously, we hope that doesn't happen. But what level of concern should we have over that, Dwayne? Or do you think uh, it's a storm in a, in a teacup? No, I think I can see the headline now. The Oval only as bad as it seems. Mm, very uh, nice. Sammy, because very those seams nice. are going to be... Yeah, very good. <laughs> You've been working I'm on that all, all afternoon? Oh, yeah, actually for about four and a half weeks. The, um, <laughs> it is an issue, though, right now that mm. we are doing this, not just the MCG, but at other venues as well. So yeah. the turf, guys, you're, you're sponsored by Coolabar Turf, Victoria's premier supplier of instant lawn. Is this something we shouldn't even be thinking is an issue? Can turf be replaced that quickly and it's not an issue these days? Well, it's done by one of their competitors. Uh, they've got the contract for, for all, all right. of the Ed Sheeran uh, concerts. So I won't mention who they are, but they grow the turf off-site and do so for the MCG uh, right throughout the year, Dwayne. So turf gets replaced all the time. They mm. grow it off-site. So the process and all that is fine and, and is well-worn and, and something the MCC and the MCG do regularly. It's just something of this size 
and so close up and hard up against the AFL season just has a few people a little bit nervous. So, mm. uh, look, hopefully we're all, we're talking about it for, for no reason at all. Come um, come the close of round one and round two, there's been no issue. But uh, it'll look fine. Let's just hope it holds fine as well. Sam Mitchell spoken. He has indeed. He's spoken out at Hawthorne to the media today, of course, on the eve of season number two. Now, the debutants he wouldn't name, Mitchell Lewis, the timeline hasn't changed there. But the broader conversation, Dwayne, about where Hawthorne sits ahead of this season opener against Essendon and the Hawthorne's preparation to get to the start line. Well, Sam Mitchell was happy to discuss that. I think knowing that we're prepared well and doesn't mean we're going to play well or perform well on a given day, but we've given ourselves every chance to be in that situation now where we can play well. Uh, and I think I talk to the players fairly regularly. The whole preparation and everything that we do just gets you to the bounce to get you that feeling that I deserve to play well and there's every possibility of me playing to my potential today. And I think if we can do that, um, I certainly feel confident that, that we're going to be um, perhaps a little bit better than some other people think. Perhaps a little bit better than what other people think, Dwayne. The closing statement mm. there from Sam Mitchell. Been a gruelling pre-season out there, as we know. Physical, they've even punched on at times. He did reveal today, Sam Mitchell, that Fergus Green, their recruit, has a saying when the going gets tough at Hawthorne Training. And he says, where would you rather be, boys? You could be selling pens. Now, of course, he worked for Artline last year, Fergus Green. So that's <laughs> that's his go-to saying when the sun beats down some of those gruelling sessions out there in, uh, at uh, Hawthorne Training. Let's hope they listen to the concussion protocols. If the last thing you want is a player punching a player and two blokes are out wow. due to the concussion protocol for 12 days. Um, they asked a question on breakfast today. Who's going to finish top four first? Uh, I might as well ask you. You didn't get asked by them. Brad Scott, Essendon, Alistair Clarkson, North, Sam Mitchell, Hawthorne, Giants, Adam Kingsley. Oh, gee, that's a tough question, isn't it? Without warning. I'm going to go Adam Kingsley. Right. The return of the tsunami, Dwayne. Okay, I like it. Uh, the orange tsunami is back. Hey, before I let you go, anything else bubbling around? Oh, just Jeremy Cameron's a watch, isn't it, this week? I was speaking about this with Jared Waitley earlier. This morning said he was, in fact, open to leaving Geelong's season opening clash against Collingwood at halftime. If word comes through, Dwayne, that his partner, Indy, has gone into labour with the couple's first child. And we we've did a bit of research on this. We've had it the other way. Remember Severio Rocker speeding down the Eastern Freeway, yes. police escort and all to make that elimination final. Well, the visual of Jezza humming down the uh, highway to Geelong in full kit and footy boots on bound for the hospital would also be unique. So that would be a unique one on the team sheet after as well, subbed out yeah. child. Yeah, exactly. If ever there's been a reason to leave a game, that would be it. Hopefully uh, all works out for everyone there because Tom Hawkins obviously remains uncertain given his foot issues over the off-season as well. So the Cats with a few balls in the air, Dwayne, on the eve of round one. Wouldn't be as big a story as the go-home factor of a dog, though, would it, uh, as you were talking about earlier? Oh, Is that, that happening? Uh... That was quite amazing, wasn't it? Now, you're referring to Tom Duday, of course. Uh, um, yeah. I don't want to say snubbed as Adelaide captain. He missed out on being Adelaide captain when many people had him as the favourite. And obviously, Jordan Dawson's come from the clouds and a lot of people um, perhaps drawing a line between any disgruntlement he might have and a move, given he's out of contract um, back to Victoria or wherever he might go in this coming player exchange window at the end of the season. But uh, Nine News Adelaide put the question to him uh, yesterday. Dwayne, he said, no, no I'm, I'm happy here. My dog's here. Uh, I've got a house here and my partners here as well in that order yep he's going to be in trouble tonight surely <laughs> Which, oh that was hilarious although everyone loves their dog if you ask my wife um who she'd prepare be more prepared to spend the afternoon with 
I guarantee it would oh. be our dog Hugo rather than me. <laughs> so no, we're, I know where the dogs are on the pecking order. Great to have you, Sammy. Any other injury and selection news before you go? Oh, there's plenty happening, Dwayne, but maybe a conversation for tomorrow as we edge closer. I'm sure a few pictures will become clearer then, but uh, plenty happening. Essendon, dogs, Melbourne, of course, with Jack Viney, and obviously Carlton got plenty going on, but uh, and Collingwood too, but maybe we'll save that for tomorrow. All right, uh, always good to keep something in the bank. Sammy Edmund joining us as he did earlier today, breaking the news thanks to Coolabar Turf, Victoria's premier supplier of instant lawn. By the way, SEN Tire Power Tipping is back. You can play SEN Tire Power Tipping and join for your chance to win weekly prizes, including the major prize of $5,000. Sign up now at tipping.sen.com.au. Darren on the road wants to talk a little bit of cricket. We haven't spoken about the cricket today, and we probably should have, even though it fizzled out. A little yesterday. Welcome to you, Darren. Great to have you on the line. G'day, Pipe. Uh, just a question. Young Matt Tooneman opened the bowling in one test and opened the batting in the next test. Has there ever been a player that has done that before? A bowler opening the batting and the bowling? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We've got an answer for Darren. Uh, we'll put a prize on the line for you. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or send through a text 433 98-11-16 on the 40 Winks Temper text. What's been lost in the wash? Plenty of time still for your calls and your texts. Keep them coming through. 0433-98-11-16. We'll talk some soccer a little bit later on this hour with Simon Hill, host of the Global Game. So that's not far away. DJ in Richmond might have as plenty of texts come through with an answer to the Kuhneman question. Welcome to you, DJ. Dwayne, good afternoon. Yeah, I believe Glenn Maxwell did it back in the 2013 Tour of India. Um, the fourth test, which was played at the same place they just recently played in Delhi, uh, Maxi opened the batting in the second innings with Warner. Uh, Ed Cowan had opened in the first innings, and then he and then he turned around a couple of hours later and opened the bowling in the in India's second innings. So there's one that immediately comes to mind. There's a few saying that Shane Watson is another one. Hold the line. We've got a Signet Boost Power Bank coming your way. DJ, we'll uh, find your address. Hold the line. We'll let you know how we can get it to you. I think we've got that in the prize cabinet. We've got something there for you. A Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7. So, Glenn Maxwell. Hey, DJ, before I let you go, did, did he face the first ball and bowl the first ball or just opened and opened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got me now, mate. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, if he, I think he bowled the second over. So the other, okay. the other opening bowler for Australia at the time bowled the first over, and then he came out and bowled the second over. Um, from memory, um, I think I think it was Nathan Lyon. So they opened with two spinners, not not dissimilar to using Kuhneman, and he bowled about eleven overs um, in that second innings. We lost the match, but. <laughs> Hmm. Great to have you, DJ. If you're out there and you're a stats guru, cricket people love their stats. So go a little deeper. Is there anybody that's bowled the first ball and faced the first ball? Uh, Gary in Avondale Heights, you want to talk about parking at the MCG? Welcome to you, Gary. G'day, Dwayne. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about you know, a couple of listeners before that rang up. They remember in the day when I walked to the MCG and there was good feeling and stuff like that. But Back then, there were a lot of day games, and what I mean by that, you know, 10 past one, 10 past two games at the MCG, you could always park there. I've got my footy fixture already, and for my first half of the year, first time member at my club, and I've already marked out what 
at night time. The city's just not a, a safe place anymore. Yeah, Gary, I suppose that's an opinion as well. I don't find it unsafe, the city, but I'm, you know, I'm still of the belief that, you know, a lot of young people around are just having a good time. They might be loud and they might be carrying on, but a lot of them are just having a good time and they're pretty safe to me. It's great that I think the lights are on around the 10 until midnight these days as well. So, yeah, I park around the 10 quite often and go to basketball games um, at... uh, Rod Laver Arena and also go to the footy and go to the tennis late at night and sometimes walk back to my car when I've gone to the tennis and the session's gone late by parking around the town. So I don't have an issue with it. And quite often when I stay in the city, if I've got back-to-get-back games in Melbourne and I stay in the city, um, I don't mind go for, going for a walk after the game for an hour or so just to kind of walk the adrenaline off and walk off maybe a couple of the Cokes that I've drunk during the night. So I don't mind it, but I understand that some people would find it unsafe and maybe find the public transport not as enjoyable to use at night as they would find it during the day. Appreciate your call, Gary. Thanks for jumping on the line. John in Port Augusta has also got an answer to the Kuhneman question. Welcome to you. Hi, Dwayne. I'm not real sure, but you think Gary Sobers would have done it, or Jack Callis, or um, I'm pretty sure I can remember I was watching the cricket for England one night, and I reckon Jimmy Anderson did it, obviously over the bowling. But yeah. and this is a night watchman, this is a night watchman. It would happen yeah. before with night watchman and what else. It sure as eggs. It sure, it sure as, oh, I it think, sure as Adam Ward. Sure it would have happened. Appreciate your call, John. No, thanks for joining us. Uh, I reckon it would have happened before. Um, always good when you bring up an era that might not have been statted either. We wouldn't be able to check it out. But uh, I think you'd be able to check out a couple of the recent ones like um, Shane Watson as well. Uh, who's driving to the MCG anymore? You're mad if you do. There's two train stations and tram stops right in there. Some people still like driving to the game, especially if you live a fair way out and don't like taking the public transport. Mike in Geelong, you want to talk some MBL? Welcome to you, Mike. Uh, thanks, Dwayne. Yeah, I just want to touch on the, um, the cider coming up between Breakers and Sydney. You've been to all, and then after the Sydney game the other night, where there was 18,000 there at the game, so one of the biggest crowds they've ever had. It is, and I'll get another big number Wednesday night for Game 5 as well. It is fantastic, that, and it does open the question up. Do you put your new franchise, your next NBL franchise, in a big city, Mike, in a Perth, that it's going to sell it out? Or do you put it in a, a regional city where you might not get as many, but you know Newcastle deserves a team, or, or Canberra's not a regional city, but Canberra maybe deserves a team because it seems like Sydney's ripe for another team. Yeah, look, I think Perth could be an option because you can see how sustainable they've been over the years, the Wildcats. Um, to have a bit of a cross-town rival over there would be amazing to see, mm. but it'll um, it'll be interesting to see where they go. And, look, they've done so well, the NBL, to sort of hold back from diluting the system down too quickly. They're going to, yeah, it's going to be a really good watch over the years. What are you made about the complaining about the refereeing, Mike? It seems as if the NBL doesn't really mind it that much if both coaches have a crack at the refs it seems as if you know vanilla doesn't sell and if there's a bit of controversy then it's good for the game but uh, a couple of them have gone hard it's it's a grand final all in go all in on grand final week if it gets into the opposition's head it's even better uh wednesday night check it out game five best of five series kings v new zealand if you haven't been watching 
the NBL all season. You haven't watched a game of NBL this year or any year. Wednesday night's the one to watch. Kings v New Zealand. So New Zealand won game four um, a couple of days ago, Sunday, in New Zealand, 80 to 70. Low-scoring series this has been, but it's still been pretty damn exciting. Game five is in Sydney tomorrow night. So check it out tomorrow night, game five, the deciding game five. And most people think the Kings are going to win, given it's in Sydney and they've got that home court advantage and maybe a crowd of 17,000, 18,000. But Josh Jenkins said on SEM Breakfast today that he's tipping New Zealand to win. And Xavier Cooks does have a little injury issue at the moment. And if Xavier Cooks can't play the full minutes, they're not quite the same Sydney Kings. So check it out and we'll talk about that Thursday as well. Need to take a break. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Confirmed. Nathan Lyon opened the bowling in that fourth test. Maxwell then bowled the second over. So didn't bowl the first ball and faced the first ball. By the way, lost in the wash for Kogan.com's awesome 70th birthday sale. Now on, click and awesome. Check out Kogan.com. i got a friend who bought a waffle maker from Kogan a couple of days ago, and they're ecstatic about their waffle maker. So uh, there's plenty on offer at Kogan.com. We'll take a break. Give it Dwayne's World. Well, it's great to have your company for Dwayne's World right throughout the footy season, right throughout the season in general. 12 o'clock, tune in, jump on the line, and we'll take your calls for a couple of hours for Midday Madness. Looking forward to a massive AFL season coming up. You can join me as well and play SEN's AFL Survivor, and you could win a car. Just pick one winner from each round of the AFL season. Register at iCanWin.com.au. Time to celebrate some lives as well, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Happy birthday to Hollywood star Michael Caine. I do the Michael Caine accent, but uh, probably best not to. Celebrates his 90th birthday today. Billy Crystal, 65 today. And Mason Cox turns 32 years old today. Tobin Brothers Funerals. A family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Let's celebrate some soccer. Host of the Global Game, 9pm tonight across the SEN Network. The voice of world football in Australia, Simon Hill, has been good enough to join us. Welcome to you, Simon. Great to have you back. No worries, Wayne. Always excited when there's a young 17-year-old from Adelaide. Uh, might be the biggest young 17-year-old since Leighton Hewitt to turn up to the sporting world. Uh, some exciting stuff to talk about from the A-League from the weekend. Well, certainly since Garan Quall emerged right. uh, last year for the Central Coast Mariners. Uh, yeah, Nestor Irankunda uh, is the name we're talking about. Adelaide United winger who's now scored in uh, three consecutive games, all off the bench. And uh, he's been called up to Graham Arnold's Socceroos squad for the two-game series against Ecuador late on in the month. Uh, as a train-on player initially, although Arnold did say this morning he hasn't ruled him out of playing any part in that series and uh, personally, I'd love to see him play in, uh, for, the, for the national team. I think he's a terrific talent. Um, I, I mean, in some ways, you could say even more exciting than Garen Quall, and that's, uh, that's quite some statement. So, you know, the future's looking pretty bright, and there are uh, other new talents that have been called up to the national team this morning as well, including Geordie Boss from Melbourne City, who I think is having a terrific season. Aidan O'Neill's in there. Uh, and an interesting name from overseas, Alex Robertson, who uh, is the son of Mark Robertson, former Socceroo, and the grandson of uh, Alex Robertson, named after him, uh, who also played for Australia back uh, in the day. So, uh, yeah, some interesting selections for Arnie, and um, it's, uh, it's going to be good to see the next generation perhaps get their opportunity in that two-game series. And... How long until an overseas team starts to get interested or are they interested already? 
Oh, they're interested already. Uh, but the <laughs> the rules state that you can't uh, leave your home country until you turn 18. And uh, Nestori has only just turned 17, remarkably. So uh, we've got him for another year, <laughs> at least uh, for now. So uh, I, I hear that there's, there's, you know, overseas interest in him already. Why wouldn't that be? He, he's a phenomenal talent. He's uh, still got a long way to go. Obviously, he's still a kid. And I mean, he's yet to start a game uh, in the A-League for Adelaide, but certainly his impact off the bench has been phenomenal these last three weeks. And he, he, as he admitted himself, he doesn't score tap-ins, he scores absolute bangers. Uh, and he's got such power in that right foot. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. And, um, you know, hopefully he goes on to fulfil that potential. Western United's on the move up the ladder. Yeah, beating Melbourne victory yesterday, which, I mean, virtually ends victory's hopes of, of reaching the finals. Not mathematically, but... Uh, it's going to take something akin to a miracle now, I would imagine, for victory to make the top six. Uh, Western are starting to make their move at the right time. Uh, three wins on the spin. Uh, Alexander Previc with uh, a delightful finish to win the game by two goals to one. Just at the point of the match, actually, where victory was starting to get on top of it after they got an equaliser through Bruno Fornaroli. Um, but the same old problems coming back to haunt them. Um, you know, despite that domination for 10, 15 minutes, they couldn't get in front and and they can see the soft one at the other end. So uh, that's the way it's gone for victory this season. And, uh, you know, probably a lot of soul-searching and head-scratching to go on during the off-season, I'd imagine. Some pretty big fixtures this weekend as well. I think you've got the Sydney Derby coming up this weekend as well, haven't you? That's right, yeah. Uh, the third instalment of it on Saturday night at Allianz Stadium, which uh, should be a cracker. We had uh, 35,000 there for the first instalment at Allianz earlier on in the season. I would imagine it'd be something uh, similar on Saturday evening. Uh, Wanderers fourth with 31 points, Sydney sixth with 27. So the gap could be down to one if Sydney were to repeat their success in Parramatta of a few weeks ago. And uh, there was a bit going on off the field at the end of the game between the two coaches, Steve Corriger and Marco Rodan as well. I don't think they're uh, perhaps on the best of terms at the moment. So it could be a, a fiery night. And... The premiership model and the finals model format that we've got here in Australia, it's probably given the latter situation right now. I know, well, I don't know if I've asked you recently, you're a fan of having both in this country, even though it's not the way it happens overseas? Well, in this country, yes, um, I am a fan of it because we don't have promotion relegations yet. Uh, and if we took away the final series, then, you know, really you'd have... Uh, six or seven clubs may be playing for nothing midway through the season because there's there's no, you know, battle to avoid the drop here. So, yeah, no, I'm in favour of keeping of it, uh, keeping it. Um, I, I like the final system, actually. And, you know, obviously it's it's part of the, uh, the DNA of sports fans here. It gets big crowds. It gets a lot of attention. So, look, I, I've got no problem with that. Uh, my, my one caveat to that would be to say that uh, I, I wish we gave the Premier's a lot more credit because really that's the true test. You know, you finish top of the league uh, at the end of 26 games, you deserve to be recognised really as the best team in the country. But uh, that's the way it is here. And more confidence in our Socceroos now, given the last couple of months we've had. And how do you rate this squad that's just been announced today? Well, look, it's it's a mixture of of youth and experience. And I I think what's exciting, given what happened at the World Cup, is that it's not reached its peak. And, you know, we've already talked about these young talents that are emerging. Jordi Boss, Nestor Irankunda, Garan Kual, who's now uh, overseas with Hearts in Scotland on loan from Newcastle. So 
you know, there's, there's a lot of good young talents uh, coming through the competition, and that can only be a good thing. Now, obviously, it's up to Graham Arnold to, you know, blend them into a national team environment, and it is, you know, obviously the next level. Uh, it, it's the toughest uh, thing to do in world sport is to get to the latter end of a World Cup because you've got 200 countries, most of whom, if not all, have got football as their national sport and play all their resources into that game. Uh, we don't have that here. So, you know, we're, we're reliant on, on good coaching and, uh, you know, good young prospects coming through the system. And fortunately, we seem to have a good crop of them at the moment. So it's, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, given that we've reached the round of 16 at, uh, at the World Cup and perhaps a little bit unlucky not to go further, uh, you can, I think, look forward with optimism. And the first, uh, the first target for them is to try and win the Asian Cup, which is in Qatar in January next year. So that's not too far away now. A couple of quick EPL questions, one being Gary Lineker's divisive um, comments. What have you made of those? And the BBC certainly reacted and so are the fans. Well, I don't know whether they were divisive. Uh, only, only for the government they were divisive. Uh, I think pretty much everybody's come out and said, you know, it's, it's a free country, or at least it should be. Um, now, I understand, you know, I used to work for the BBC. I had 10 years there, and you've got rules on impartiality. But, you know, Lineker is a freelancer. His Twitter account is a private account. It's not a BBC account. Um, and the same as everybody else, he should be, you know, entitled to have his opinions, whether you agree or disagree with them. Um, so he's been reinstated to host uh, Match of the Day, and I think that's the right decision. But obviously, it's going to lead to a, a whole heap of fallout. But what you can't have you cannot have is governments dictating uh, what people say in private or even in public. Um, you know, that's the whole essence of a democracy. And this is why this has caused such huge eruptions in the UK. It's seen as the thin end of the wedge. If uh, people with a public profile are silenced, then, uh, you know, we're heading towards dictatorships rather than democracy. And on the pitch, uh, Bournemouth beating Liverpool. They were 18th, I think. Well, they're 18th now. They were about 20th when they beat Liverpool. What's been the biggest story on the the pitch? I think I've got a text here saying Chelsea's sort of back on track. City beat Palace. What have you made of the last round? Well, yeah, certainly Bournemouth defeating Liverpool was the big shock of the round, particularly as Liverpool had just smacked Man United 7-0 the week before. Uh, Really indicative of their season. It's been so up and down. Um, it's difficult to fathom what's going on there. Um, and they missed a penalty in that game as well through Mo Salah. Uh, yeah, Chelsea definitely back on track. Uh, they've, I think they've won three in a row now and starting to score goals. Um, that was probably always going to be the case because they've got good quality in that squad. And the title race is you know, still on a knife edge. It's still Arsenal's to lose. They're five points clear, got a good win at Fulham. Uh, but City, my boys, they just keep hanging in there. Um, a 1-0 win at Palace. It wasn't pretty at times, but uh, never mind the quality, feel the results. So there's still a way to go. 11, 11 matches left. And, of course, the, uh, you know, the two teams are involved in European competitions as well, which uh, could have an impact in terms of injuries and schedules, etc. So uh, we'll see where they end up in May. But, um, yeah, City's still in there. Talking to Simon Hill, host of the Global Game. It's 9pm tonight across the SEN network if you want to hear more of Simon. What is on the show tonight, Simon? Well, we'll be reviewing, obviously, that uh, Soccer Squad announcement this morning and, and what it means for those involved and perhaps some of those uh, who are not. We'll review round 20 of the A-League and look ahead to that big Sydney derby with Andrew Redmayne of Sydney FC 
and all our regulars. Spencer Pryor will be talking Premier League. Alicia Carnabas on a big week for the A-League women and overseas as well. And Paul Williams with Football Asia. So uh, another busy show tonight. Looking forward to it. Tune in tonight, 9pm across the SEN network. Simon, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot for your time. Cheers, Dwayne. All the best. Simon Hill joining us. Grab out to your calls for a little bit of late midday madness or a little bit of late lost in the wash. Got a Dwayne's Wood t-shirt to give away to the best caller between now and 3 o'clock when we hand over to Andy and Annie. So jump on the line, one 736 736 That open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. one 736 736 A few of your calls on the way to 3 o'clock. Dwayne's Wood for Master Builders Victoria. Get expert legal support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena. You can send through a text as well, 0433981116. On that 40 winks, temper, T-E-M-P-U-R, text. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 winks, serious about sleep. One thing that did almost get lost in the wash, but I'm going to give it a little play to you now. If you didn't watch Footy Classified last night, here's Matthew Lloyd talking about his thoughts on whether the Gorn and Grundy combo will work for Melbourne this year. Sitting on the yeah, fence. No, I'm holding Caro because Brody Grundy will have to play a lot of forward time and at times he'll be a liability in the forward line. So Hole's not an option. I think, no, I, was, I asked could I be at a hold to this oh, one because I up. think with Tom McDonald, Ben Brown and Brody Grundy, do you think that's going to be a forward line that's going to work? The only thing I'd say is he's a better player than Luke Jackson. So he comes in and plays a similar role and it gives Gorn some flexibility. So oh. I think it's an upgrade on Jackson. Yeah, but he can't cover the ground like Jackson. A little bit of last night's footy classified. I'm a believer in it. I think it is going to work, and I like the point of difference. I like the fact that there's a few teams with a point of difference in 2023. Bevo's Biggs has been talked about a lot, and I like it, the fact that going into the season with a point of difference, and it was interesting to hear the boys on breakfast and Keeney talk about it earlier today. Speaking about earlier today, Nathan Buckley and Tim Watson not really putting the hopes that high for the Bombers this year. Nathan Buckley saying that the Bombers... A bottom four. Yeah, I've got bottom four. I, I fear for Essendon. I think yeah, Brad Scott's probably realised how much work there is to do and it's not going to be a quick fix, I don't reckon. I can't see anything yet. Like, I can't see a change in... Like, there's only We've been... We've only practice, man. No, well, I'm about to say that. There's only <laughs> been two games, well, but in other... No, but in other teams, I've seen a change, right but I haven't seen the change in them. Bottom so, four? Um, I'm saying bottom six. Bucks bottom four, Tim Watson bottom six. The downplaying of expectations has been an interesting watch over the last couple of weeks. We've seen it with St Kilda. We talked about it on this program with St Kilda where they were talking about the fact that they would improve under Ross Lyon. There would be a chance to make the eight and then all of a sudden that's dissipated to the point that they've almost warned us about a painful year and warned St Kilda fans about a painful year coming and it's not going to be the instant spike under the new coach. And now we're hearing the same from the Bombers that it's not going to be a big spike under their new coach and that it might be a painful year, which is an interesting change-up in the expectation process. Gary Lyon also said from breakfast today that he's a believer in Carlton. Most people are. I'm a believer in Carlton. Here's Gary on the Blues. I'm a believer. I'm a believer in Carlton. I know they've been a little bit scratchy apparently in the off-season, but... Why are you the believer, though? Because I'm a forward lover and you've got to kick them to win them. And they've got... Two of the rain, well, two two common medalists yeah. at minimum in that side. Right. 
They've got a midfield that's capable of giving them a look. Sam Walsh is obviously clearly important. I mm. think their back line is solid enough. Is We've Stewart got, back playing it or not? George Hewitt will be back, as I understand. He spoke to Pipe yesterday. Very important player. So I like the. I think they'll play finals, and I, th- I don't think you'd want to play them in the finals. Gary Lyon, pretty buoyant about the Blues, and nice to know that he listened to the Pipe the day before as well. Give us a call every now and then, Gary, if you want. Damien Harbick also had a chat on AFL 360 last night about the impact of Hopper and Taranto. There's been a few saying that Richmond might be the team that drops out of the eight this year. That's been a topic of conversation a little bit that's started to gather a bit of momentum in the last week or so. Brad Johnson didn't like the look of Richmond against Melbourne last week. Mick Malthouse questioning Richmond. Josh Jenkins saying they could be the team to slip out of the eight. And we heard Kane Corns say that he believes that Richmond's about to maybe do a Hawthorne and drop out of the eight and maybe drop out of contention and drop down to the bottom half of the ladder for a little while. Um, here's a little bit of the expectation from Damien Harwick on Hopper and Taranto at Richmond. What we've been very good at is, is three phases of the game. We've been pretty good at two, you know, the, the turnover game and, and offensively as well. But what we've probably struggled at a little bit is the, the clearance aspect and the, the ability to stop scoring from those. So, look, over the, the course of the summer, we addressed that, brought in two ready-made players, obviously good stoppage players, good clearance players that allow the game to be played a different way. We don't want to negate the strengths that we've already got, but we feel by adding these two boys, they're going to help us in an area that we traditionally haven't been strong. So if we can get that part of our game up and going, it's going to make my job a hell of a lot easier and the way we play a little bit different as well. A little bit of stuff we didn't get to. Hope you can join me tomorrow for Midday Madness. We'll take a couple of hours of your calls tomorrow. I love Midday Madness, so put the number in your phone and give me a call tomorrow. Big show tomorrow as well, outside of your calls. Tom Harley from the Swans. Noah Anderson as well from the Gold Coast to join me.